when you say you end up converting one or two customers on on a monthly basis mm-hmm. right so how do you allocate resourcing i mean how does that all work for you right because it's it, there is no predictability here right so it's not no. like you got a software to sell i mean you actually have to add a bunch of resources so, so how do you make yep. that decision hey i'm going to work with you now based on the resourcing i have Yeah, so that makes it pretty challenging. That's one of the biggest challenges that we're trying to solve and uh, growing, uh, you know, some of the growing pains that you see uh, because it's linear, right? Like you have a new client, you need to hire a new developer. You see a new client, new developer. And so you really have to stagger your projects and say, we don't have the bandwidth to start tomorrow. We have some of those clients that come in and say like, we need you guys, uh, please work on our project. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the B2B SaaS podcast. Today, we have Francisco Navarro with us. Francisco here is the CEO of a company called Lunar Byte. Hey, Francisco, welcome to the show. Hey, Pedra. Uh, nice to meet you. And thank you for having me on your show. Exciting. Absolutely. So, Francisco, let's try to understand, right? So, what, what your company does and how you end up making money. Yeah, for sure. So, we are a software development studio or agency based out of Seattle, Washington. And uh, in short, we work with uh, B2B companies or B2C companies that don't have technology expertise. So, they come to us for uh, their software engineering needs. Got it. So, so help me understand how many sort of clients are you working with at, at this point of time? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so I think we do a good job of retaining our clients. And so that means that we always have ongoing projects. Uh, I would say at the moment we have maybe like six, seven different projects in flights. Yep. Across how many customers is, is that? Uh, six or seven different. Uh, oh, uh, that's a good question. I would say uh, one project per customer at the moment. Yep. Got it. So right. like six so, or seven. Got it. So, so give us a sense of how these projects look like. What does the scope of this project look like? And how do you engage with your customer on a typical basis? Yeah, for sure. So part of the exciting thing of working in a, in a studio is that you have a variety of different projects, right? So like right now we're working with a customer on the automotive, uh, auto, automotive industry. We're working with a client on the uh, aviation industry. Uh, we have a marketing agency that we have built some tools for. Uh, it's a really, really wide uh, branch of projects. And overall, uh, they see us as their software engineering team. Uh, they come to us for, you know, uh, full stack web applications. Uh, they come to us for mobile applications. Uh, so it can be quite exciting to, you know, have different different projects going on. At the same time, it can be a challenge just because of different technologies, different business needs. Uh, but I think we've done a good job of coping and helping and learning with our clients. All right. So... Before understanding, you know, how you end up sort of, you know, converting them to a customer, right, or a client, right? Mm-hmm. I want to understand how you sort of price your, you know, consultancy business or whatever services that you provide us up today. So what happens? Yeah. How exactly does that work? So can you just walk me through that process? Yeah, for sure. So part of it is always having a good website, having some decent SEO, right? <laughs> I'm sure everyone else says that. Um, so we did an okay job early on. And mm-hmm. to be quite honest, uh, one thing that really matters is like, uh, you know, word of mouth. So what are people saying about you and anything that they say positively, hopefully any positive things you put it on your website, you put it on, uh, you know, uh, review websites like clutch.co, et cetera. Um, all those things matter. Uh, any review websites really matter. So get them out there, make sure that people have good reviews and all that traffic drives back, goes back to your site eventually. So that's kind of the top of the funnel, right? Um, a lot of, uh, free consultations come from there. Uh, mm-hmm. just. Here's our project, here are the needs that we have, our business requirements, here, here's who we are as a company. Uh, and usually we have a pretty good portfolio now that we can demonstrate, like, here's how we can help you with your project based on our experience and expertise that we have. Um, and so 
I think we do a good job once we get so, 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 over uh, the right, right. Yeah. So I mean, so I want to sort of I want you to quantify this part, right? So like on mm-hmm. an average, how many you know inbound interests do you see say say per month? How does yeah, that number look like? Question. Um, you can see anything between like you know five to ten potential uh, uh, leads that come in, mm-hmm. and so that's just a free consultation, right, or or an email. And some of those are going to go cold once you email them back. Once you try to set up a free consultation. Uh, and and some of them will definitely get uh, back get back to you or jump on a phone call and try to do a consultation. Uh, and uh, part of that process is: uh, Do they think you're a good fit? Do their needs align with what you have to offer right now? Uh, so we lose some of those, a couple of those, to like things like: Well, we wanted to hire an agency, but now we want to build our own internal team instead. So you know, those are difficult. Uh, it, it's still a loss, but uh, how can you compete with someone saying like we actually want to build our team instead, right? Uh, but overall, we we close probably you know I would say like ten uh, percent, five to ten percent of the leads that come in. So so essentially, you're saying that you get one or two new lead every month or so, right? Something on that range. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. so I want to understand, right? I mean, if you're seeing such such amazing interest, right? So mm-hmm. how do you and when you say you end up converting one or two customers on on a monthly basis, mm-hmm. right? So how do you allocate resourcing? I mean, how does that all work for you? Right? Because it's it, there is no predictability here, right? So it's not no. like you've got a software to sell. I mean, you actually have to allot a bunch of resources to them, right? So how do you make yep. that decision? Hey, I'm going to work with you now based on the resourcing I have. Yeah, so that makes it pretty challenging. That's one of the biggest challenges that we're trying to solve and uh, growing, uh, you know, some of the growing pains that you see uh, because it's linear, right? Like you have a new client, you need to hire a new developer. You see a new client, new developer. And so you really have to stagger your projects and say, we don't have the bandwidth to start tomorrow. We have some of those clients that come in and say like, we need you guys, uh, please work on our project. And it's funny because sometimes that takes like three months. Like we had a, a potential project that we sent the proposal for three months ago and they came back and they said like, we want to start like next week. Mm-hmm. And the answer is like, well, <laughs> we can't, right? Like we have to stagger it out. Uh, it would have been great if you say yes three months ago, but that's not how business works, right? That's not how the B2B, uh, B2B space works. So. Um, we try our best to stagger the projects, to hire a new developer. Uh, and it's part of the challenge. We're still trying to solve that right now. Yeah. Got it. So, so you mentioned you you have around six to seven projects as of today, right? So mm-hmm. when did you get that first project or first customer onboarded? Oh, boy. So as every you know founder tells you, you kind of get whatever you can out there when you first start your company. So uh, me and my co-founder used to be uh, software developers in Seattle for tech startups. That's our background. Uh, and he also worked at Starbucks and other tech companies actually in the area. Um, so, you know, we started our company and we just went out to some local meetup groups, uh, talked to some businesses, like local business meetups. Uh, and there was a guy that, uh, a, uh, home inspection local company that needed a new website and so no, uh, so new integrations, uh, with APIs. And so we built it and it was a WordPress site, you know, like every other good business out there, you start with WordPress. <laughs> yeah. And when was this? Uh, that was in late 2019. We started right before the pandemic. Yeah. So it's it's been around three months of uh, three years, right? Yep, three years. Yep. And, three and years in business. What about the second customer? I just want you to put your customers on a timeline for me. Yeah, the second customer came in probably uh, a mo- two months after the first one, uh, and that's just how it goes, right? Like the first few customers are really hard to get. It takes time. You don't have a portfolio. You don't have a history. Uh, so that's one of the biggest challenges for founders, right? Like, how do you show up presence? How do you show that you uh, have a portfolio, right? Uh, but yeah, it took some time. So, so you mentioned you've got around six active, you know, clients as of today, right? So, mm-hmm. so can you just uh, sort of help me understand what was that top of funnel like? So basically, how many 
you know, calls did you had to sort of, you know, go on before mm-hmm. you ended up getting those six customers? Was it 60? Was it 600? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. The answer is you hustle, right? Like you, you yeah. really have to hustle. Uh, and uh, thankfully, my my family, my partners, as immigrants, my parents, you know, they started a business here in the States. And so I've, I haven't been afraid of like failure or... or yeah, so I just want to understand right that number, yeah. right? So how hard was yeah. it for to sort of get those customers? Yeah, so I would say like, you know, I, I bought a stack of uh, 250 business business cards. I bought uh, a bunch of tickets to like local meetups. I bought uh, all kinds of things that I thought were going to be useful. And I just got out there. I just hit the ground and started shaking hands, talking to local business owners. Uh, and again, after like handing out all these business cards, like 200 business cards and talking to a bunch of people, uh, we got our first uh, WordPress customer, right? So that's just our reality. You got to hustle and you got to get out there and you got to talk to people. Right. So I was asking what happened after that first customer. You mentioned, right, as of today, you you see all of this mm-hmm. inbound interest from SEO or sometimes from mm-hmm. word of mouth, right? So I just want to understand where those other five clients actually listen to you. Oh, yeah. So once you have that, right, like, so I guess uh, the numbers game is the more exposure you have, you start getting top of the funnel and then you start closing deals, right? So um, I don't know if that helps, but uh, yeah, like part of it is just getting out there and like, doing as many consultations as possible because it's simple, right? Like the top of the funnel has got to be a little wider and mm-hmm. then it just keeps getting narrower and narrower. And so, uh, yeah, um, we do a good job once we get to the last stage of the, of the funnel. We don't do as well at the top actually, but yeah. All right. So let, let's talk about your pricing and, you know, margin here mm-hmm. as well, right? So I want to understand as an agency, right? So how do you end up sort of deciding on that contract value because there is no straightforward answer to that, right? And yeah. how much margins do you sort of end up making on that and how do you pay your developer? What happens that? So just talk about the entire, you know, structure there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, the biggest thing is you have to have a margin, a profit margin, right? Uh, if you don't have that, then you don't have a business. Uh, and that number is uh, based on what other agencies are charging in the area, right? So like a good rate right now is like, you know, $140 an hour, $130 an hour. Uh, so you have to make a 50% margin on that, uh, you know, with your internal resources. Uh, so based on that number, uh, it allows you to calculate sort of your salaries or what you can compensate your team. Um, and most of our projects are now six months to like eight months long. Uh, and so that gives us a pretty good runway, right? Like if we have that hourly rate and we provide an estimate to the client and the proposal, um, most of our projects on average could be like around eighty, a hundred thousand uh, dollars. So yeah, that's kind of the average right now. Got it. So and how much margins sort of do you take, you know, at the end of the day mm. after paying your employees, everybody? So what, like how much of that, you know, cut do, does the company make at the end of the day? Yeah, uh, before taxes and all the operational costs, of course, uh, you you know, I would say like probably 45%. It's a good, it's a good uh, margin. Yep. That, that, that's pretty good, actually. Uh, so Yeah. Yeah. Got and it. we like to keep it lean, you know, like we like to keep it simple, lean, uh, and that helps. Yeah. Got it. All right. So, so talk about the resourcing aspect, right? So, so how does the, how, how do you grow here? Right. I mean, what's, what's mm-hmm. the vision here? So for example, so what happens if you start losing a customer? So now you've got an idle developer there, yeah. right? And I think they are on your payroll. You're not definitely paying them on an hourly basis. right? So, so how do you manage with things like those? Because given the unpredictability here. Uh, that is, uh, again, one of the toughest challenges of being an agency, right? So uh, staggering your projects and then what if you lose an existing project? Uh, we don't see that a lot for us. I think we do a really good job of retaining our customers. So like retention is very, very important. And I think every founder, every B2B person knows that already and should know that they don't. Uh, once you retain a customer, their lifetime value just, you know, can be really great. 
Uh, so that helps us a but, lot. But you know, retaining process. here here could be a bit tricky, right? I mean, your mm-hmm. customer might end up building a software development team for themselves. Right? There could be mm-hmm. n number of reasons. Right? It might not just be about you not serving them, right? It might be because mm-hmm. they're taking a different path altogether, right? So retention mm-hmm. is not something that you can control, even you sort of. Uh, right. Yeah, and so when we do lose a customer, thankfully, I usually try to like look forward to having one or two other projects stagger down the road, that down the road, like one month ahead or something like that, or two months. Uh, but it's just all the variables you got to play with, and that's where you have to keep your eye on it, right? As a as a founder and develop uh, and CEO of the company, you just got to keep an eye on all, all those things. Yeah. Got it. And talk about the team you have separately. Like, how many devs are working? Uh, we have uh, we are a team of six people right now. Uh, plus we have that's nicely uh, matched, right? So six people yeah. working on six <laughs> projects, and then you you're working with six clients. Exactly. And so that helps like, you know, kind of move the variables, right? Like you have a little less work on one project, you move a developer to another project, but we try to keep it simple and only one, uh, one developer per two projects. We don't like to spread them around too much. Uh, it's not efficient for anyone. And, and how long does this project go? Is it like months, years? Yeah, I would say on average, like six months to a year. Um, and you know, what's important here too, is that our developers develop a good relationship with the client, which helps with uh, churn, right? Like that way you retain the customers. Uh, but yeah, the projects are uh, six months to a year. And you decide upon the contract value at the beginning of the beginning of the, it itself, right? Exactly. Yep. We set a kickoff date and we say, here are the, uh, the requirements. Here's when we expect to finish the project. Uh, and one thing we try to do is always hand out like prototypes right away. We work mm-hmm. together on projects right away. Yeah. Right. So, so in a business like this, right? So scaling is always going to be very tricky because you have mm-hmm. to scale your resources as well. And so what's the vision here for you particularly? So what are you planning to do in the next two to three years with respect to this yeah. particular company? Um, I think if uh, by next year we're at a team of like 10 people, that would be amazing. And that's quite a challenge, uh, but I think it's very doable. Uh, and uh, I think as a business, once you have like you're in the seven figures, right? Uh, and you have a really good uh, source of income uh, and stream uh, of revenue, it allows you to do other things that are interesting, right? Like we have had one or two uh, B2B partners that have asked us to like help them uh, take their projects to actual market. And and a couple of those projects are in the market right now as B2B software solutions. Uh, they want us to be their full like uh, engineering team, uh, but also be participants and, and potentially, you know, uh, take a stake on some of these companies. So that's where I get excited because I think Lunar Buy has done such a great job of building some of these products. So like there is a lot of potential in the B2B space out there for tools that people are not aware of, right? And we build some of those, but yeah. Right, got it. Right, so, so talk about the team here, right? So. Are you being, you know, innovative here as well? Right? Are you hiring engineers out of, you know, countries where you can get them at a much cheaper cost? Or are you st- like, or where are these engineers based on, based out of? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, one thing I like to say, you know, to my co-founder is that uh, I like to pursue passions and I like to see people that are passionate too. Uh, if you have a solid foundation of development and, and background, uh, we can work with that. We like to develop talent in-house and keep those developers. We like to see like, you know, good players, A players to come in uh, and they still may not have all the skills. They have some, uh, a lot of passion, but we like to develop their skills a lot further. And I do promise our developers, like they're going to be challenged more than they are uh, working at a corporate suite, sitting in the co- in the corner of a conference room or somewhere like that. Just because I've done that, I played that role. My co-founder played that role. And like, you're just mindlessly moving tickets and Jira, right? Like left to right and waiting for all the managers to tell you what to do. That that's not the case here. Like you're hitting the ground, you got to code, you got to do things. So, so the, yeah. my question is, where are these engineers based? Sort of, are they based out of Seattle itself, or are they from some other countries? Yeah, 
It's funny because we have become fully remote now, uh, but we do have a developers in Seattle. We have developers in Seattle and Portland now and uh, LA, but we are all onshore in the US. Our whole okay. team is based in the US. So yep. have, have have you thought of, you know, maybe expanding beyond, you know, beyond US, right? So because you might get them at a much cheaper cost. That is always a good question, right? And, and I being think, remote uh, should enable you to do that, right? And you can get amazing <laughs> talent outside of US, right? So that's true. That's true. Yeah. So we have considered that in the past. I think one of the attractive uh, aspects for our business has been that we're like based on the US and many of our clients have actually come to us because they took a project offshore and it was just hard to manage it. They don't have the expertise to manage this project. Mm -hmm. So they come to us once they realize like we can meet with Francisco downtown Seattle or so with someone else, uh, you know, one of his team members. So. Uh, we have considered it and some projects have talked about like we would be okay with you outsourcing. So that's kind of in the works. That's no, I'm not talking about actually. outsourcing. I'm just talking about building a remote team in oh, a different country where you could, you know, hire them for a much cheaper cost. That's fair. Yeah, we we have talked about that with some of our clients. Uh, yep. Okay. No, my question is, does, does a client really care where your employees sit? I mean, as long as they're getting, you know, value for their money, mm -hmm. do they really care about that? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I would say some of them do, uh, the majority of them probably do care that they're built, their software is built in the U.S. Uh, in the B2B space that we're working in right now, like I mentioned, aviation, uh, automotive industry, they actually, part of the, the business is that they have to follow some regulations or some things that the federal government or things like that, right? So that helps that we're based in the U.S. Uh, there are other projects that are not like that. And so those customers have talked about like, we would be okay if you hire, uh, bring in a member from you know, outside of the U.S. because it is cheaper. That That's just a reality. And you don't always need to have your uh, your best developer working on the project in the U.S. And you can have a good developer from Latin America or somewhere else working on the project. So, yeah. Got it. All right, Francisco. I think uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to me. You know, hope you reach your milestones as quickly as possible with Luna White. Thanks, Pendra. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on the show and uh, the best of you too.